From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. Good evening to you, wherever you may be. Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Uh, Greetings to you, wherever you may be in the world. Great to have you uh, with us. And now we're almost done with January. I'm still stuck back in August. I'm stuck in the 60s. I don't know know how we got here, but uh, greetings to you. Thank you for, uh, for being with us. And just a reminder, friends. Uh, if you'd like to learn about more opportunities to serve, about more of what we do here at uh, Advancing Vibrant Communities, check our website out, www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. And if you click on the little red flashing icon on the left-hand side, it'll take you to the daily update page that Elaine updates a couple times a day, new opportunities to serve, and uh, we just encourage you to uh, get involved uh, in your own community, and uh, we'll also be talking about communities a world away uh, today as well, and opportunities uh, there there too. Right now, though, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with the Jesus Freak Salute from the Voice of the Martyrs. Last year, under Article 375-3 of Kazakhstan's Administrative Code, Victor and Diedrich Levin were found guilty of carrying out missionary activity without local registration. Later, Diedrich was also charged with Article 374-1, which forbids leadership in the activity of an unregistered religious organization. These brothers may indeed have broken the laws of Kazakhstan, but they were simply responding to a higher authority. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's in God's law, Mark 16, verse 15. For more from the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. And uh, we encourage you to uh, keep your prayers with those uh, who are part of the persecuted church worldwide. also brings us uh, a sense of how fortunate we are to have the freedoms that we have mm-hmm. here in the United States of America. And Pastor Mike Douglas with you here again on Lighthouse Live. With us, our producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, and a special guest tonight coming up in just a few moments, Dave Unruh from the Bible yes. League. And Dave, haven't seen you for a while. Great to have you I back. After, it's good to be it's here. It's been yeah, a while. I'm looking forward to just sharing what God is doing around the globe. Absolutely. And uh, friends, by the way, we also appreciate your uh, financial support that's important too and so on that website if you click on uh, the support us uh, icon there you can even uh, give online we so much appreciate your uh, financial uh, support as well thank you 
Well, let's check out uh, the Volunteer Center of the United Way, Linda Handlist. Do you realize that we partner with over 90 organizations and other nonprofits and ministries in this area? Sierra Vista sends a lot of families our way, and uh, they are getting ready to have their uh, 10th annual Hearts for Children Gala. Uh, Happy endings start here Saturday, February 20th at the St. Joseph's Catholic Church. And uh, volunteers ages 16 years and up are needed Saturday morning and early afternoon to assist with setup decorations, move auction items from agency to event, and set up the auction. Volunteers 18 years and up are also needed to clean up and close down the event between 10 and 1 a.m., Sierra Vista has been helping abused, neglected, and emotionally disturbed children and families in crisis since 1972. Now, the Society for Handicapped Children and Adults big-time partners and referrals uh, give you an opportunity to hit the slopes, snow skiing with physically challenged youth and adult skiers. Volunteers are needed to accompany skiers on the Dodge Ridge ski trips. Intermediate skiers help push sleds and Expert skiers should be able to ski backwards downhill to help blind oh. skiers. Boy, I'll tell you guys. I can ski down backwards, but not on purpose is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> not on purpose. Uh, opportunities are available on most Saturdays uh, until March from 9 to 3 p.m. Volunteers should have some ski experience, provide their own transportation to Dodge Ridge and Pinecrest, uh, complete an application, and pass a background check. Now, you'll receive free lift tickets when you volunteer, and your family will be able to purchase $20 lift tickets when they accompany volunteers. So there's some perks that go along with uh, doing that as well. Now, Modesto Blind Bowlers, if you love bowling, this is a something that you might want to do. Be a pin spotter. I know that Pastor Mike has, has kind of enjoyed doing these kinds of things before. For the Modesto Blind Bowlers, I don't know what capacity he well, in you know, Marty Lancer is a wonderful friend. He is. Member of the yes, Blind Bowlers, and I just wish he'd quit throwing me down the lane. And, <laughs> well, that's and a whole nother story. It is. This is a fun thing to do. It really sure is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Modesto Blind Bowlers, it's, a, it's actually a league of vision-impaired bowlers. Yeah. Volunteers age 15 years and older advise the bowlers of the number and order of pins left standing after each throw, and then you keep track of the game score. It's pretty cool. The league meets Saturdays through April from 1130 to 130 at the McHenry Bowl in Modesto, and training is provided. The Modesto Blind Bowlers promotes the sport of blind bowling and partnership opportunities for both vision-impaired and sighted individuals. If you have any questions on these opportunities, phone Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307 extension 113, or email her at bborba at uastand.org. Now, the need, checking the ABC website, www.vibrantcommunities.org, and clicking onto the daily update and opportunity page, uh, we need a queen-size mattress. A working mother of three has the box springs. She just needs the mattress only. Um, And we have a family just coming out of homelessness. They now have an apartment. Great. Praise the Lord for that. You know, what's interesting to me is how many uh, requests we get like that. Mm -hmm. People who have been able 
uh, to get a job and come out of homelessness and, and are getting into their own places. That's a wonderful way to bless them as they is. get started. You yeah. bet. And they need a bed, sofa, kitchen table, and chairs, everything to set up a household, dishes, mm. cookware, uh, linens, and those types of things. So, friends, if you can help out with these kinds of items, let us know. We also have broken bones. Actually, we don't have broken bones, at least, <laughs> but a daughter taking care of her mother who had an accident. They are needing a hospital bed. So if you have these items to donate, give us a call uh, at 209-544-9571. Again, that's 209 209- Five four four nine five seven one, and we will make sure that these items get to these homes uh, that are in need. Also, I might mention space heaters for a family who have no heat, who has no heat. Uh, the, the, your donations will definitely be appreciated. And again, we will make the connections uh, to where those places, those things need to go. And again, we just appreciate uh, all of those items being clean and in good working condition. That's very, very important. Got a call from a lady today that says, Elaine, I have a washing machine and a dryer. And I said, great, do they work? And, you know, she wasn't offended by that question. And uh, we were glad of that. Well, our guest tonight is, like Pastor Mike said, a longtime friend and a partner with Advancing Vibrant Communities and certainly no stranger to Lighthouse Life. However, it has been a while, Dave, since you've, you've been here, and, and certainly almost everyone is new to our, uh, our facility here, and we just want to give you a warm welcome back to Lighthouse Life. Thank you for joining us. And you found the new place okay, too. Yeah, I I really (laughs) like this place. I think you did well, very well. Uh, David Unruh of the Bible League, welcome back, too. Uh, We're so glad that you could join us here tonight. Well, thank you, Elaine. It's it's a real privilege to be here, and and, uh, I have been um, on the road since I've seen you. I think I've been back into China and and taking Bibles to the underground church Mm. again. Busy, busy, busy. In fact, do you recall the last time you and I met was at a post office? This has been some time back. We... I don't think there are any coincidences because we ran into each other, and I think that was supposed to happen. And you were on your way, I think, to China the day that we, we saw each other. Yeah, that's that's true, and and that was actually it probably goes back close to the time of the Olympics. So that has been a while. It back. has been a while, and it was a challenging trip, but we did get uh, several thousand Bibles in, and mm. uh, got real tough after that. But uh, praise God that things seem to be opening up a little bit there through that career ministry and. We need to do all that we can while we have the opportunity. What in the world is going on? Well, you know, things really cracked down during the Olympics. Um, They were really watching the borders very close. But um, now that that's gone and it's completed, uh, the borders have somewhat opened up in terms of us being able to take Bibles across. Mm. We have to be careful about certain things that we say. But, um, you know, there, God puts people in those places for a reason. And, and quite often we hear stories of, of a Christian that's there. Um, had a good friend, a young man that I had introduced to uh, the courier work, and now he's over there full time. And he, he sent an email back to me that, that uh, he and one of the other staff members had gone and she had been stopped, and um, as he was going going through alone, he noticed that she had been stopped, and he was praying, Lord, let me get through, and uh, and he got stopped by one of the officials. Mm. And uh, the gentleman told him, you have Bibles. He just knew it, and, and said, you can't take those in, and made him go over to uh, the waiting area um, where the other staff person was. And um, this gentleman, this official that was, was talking to her about the Bibles she had, turned around and looked and, and said, 
you have Bibles? And he said, yes, and he waved him on, go, go. Is that right? right and right. and right. he didn't know what to do. The one official told him, no, you can't do that. And here's this official that had already stopped his partners saying, go on. Mm-hmm. So he, he waited for a minute. Then uh, then he did go on. The other official stopped him and said, where are you going? A third official came over and says, no, he told him he could leave. And in frustration, wow. this official let him go. When he got outside, uh, he waited for the other partner who eventually came out, and she had all but five of her Bibles. The, the main official there was a Christian, saw yeah, she had Bibles rights. and said, can I have five Bibles for friends? Wow. Is that right? Oh, really? and, and they let her go with the rest of the Bibles, wow. even though there were other officials that were there that were stopping people. Mm. So, mm. you know, this is this is what God does. It certainly so is. So pretty, pretty amazing. And, and uh, God is going to get his word in around the globe one way or the other. And he gives us that privilege to partner with him. And if we don't, then he'll find somebody else who will. What mm. an exciting time. Now, you were there for a total of... Usually when I go, I'll go for about 10 days, uh, spend five days doing nothing but taking Bibles across uh, with a group. And um, it's, it's generally not dangerous to us as Americans if we get stopped. They will take Bibles away from you. They don't burn them, but you pay a small fine. You get them on the way, uh, back again when you check out of mainland China. Uh, if you don't, they will probably just store them. And, uh, or they may go black market. They may not. You see, the Bible is not illegal in China. It is printed by Amity Press for the registered church, but there's nowhere near enough Bibles for the interior. Uh, the government restricts um, what you're to teach. Children are not allowed to go to uh, Bible or to church until the age of 18. They're to be taught by the communist officials. Mm. Having said that, if you were in Beijing, you might go to a three-self or a registered church and see a Bible study for children. Because that's the appearance that they want to maintain for Westerners, that they have religious freedom. The reality is there are Bibles printed there, and some are are sold through bookstores, the three self bookstores mm-hmm. in larger cities. Mm-hmm. But when you go into the interior, where normal Westerners don't go, they haven't had access to Bibles for, for ages. It's still estimated there could be anywhere between 30 to 50 million believers in China that don't have I, access to God's wow, word. Wow. I was just going to ask, do we have any way of knowing how many believers that we have? Yeah. You know, even the government, uh, they used to say there were about 30 million believers, and they, were say, they would say that most of them are in the registered church, but mm. they've even slipped. And there could, be, there could be 130 million believers in China today. Uh, the country keeps on growing, and we, we hear from the underground church of these phenomenal stories of five, six, seven, eight thousand a day coming to faith wow, in Christ. Isn't that amazing? The danger, though, is that if we don't have the Word of God and they're not grounded, there are cults there. There are other mm. groups that are there. Uh, they can they can mix the the uh, the teachings of their former faith system um, and integrate that in, so it becomes syncretistic. So it's absolutely vital that we not only provide the Word of God, but we make sure people are being discipled mm-hmm. and they're grounded in the Word. Mm-hmm. So you have to. Bible gives them that compass. Yes. To be able to point in the right, the right direction and and uh, keep the direction true. Uh, in the agriculture, it's been a long time. I've been to China once, been been many many years, and I remember you know going along a highway. They had free enterprise zones in certain areas, and uh, you know they wanted to show us Westerners the fact that they had these zones. So when you go into the um, the agricultural areas, uh, you know that that aren't too uh, too well traveled and such. What's happening there? How, do, how does the word penetrate into those 
uh, back areas where they're farmers and and uh, really have no connection with with the Western world much. Well, again, it it comes in and you have believers that that are truly becoming disciples who that's mm. what they do. They go out and share the word. Um, we have worked with the underground church extensively for for probably more than. 40 years now, mm. um, you have those pipelines of getting the word in. But we use a, um, a methodology we call Project Philip, where we teach inductive Bible study. And so we don't randomly distribute the scriptures. We want to come side alongside the local church and train and equip those lay people to literally take somebody through a Bible study. Mm. First, an evangelistic study to where they hear about Christ. They have an opportunity to come to faith in Christ. But then discipleship studies where they continue to grow and they learn about what it is to be a Christian, how to live and how to be part of the local church and minister one to another. Uh, and just just as important, if not more important, than to turn around and go share that same message with those who have never had an opportunity to hear. And so it's just like Philip did with the Ethiopian. Yeah. Yeah. I went and explained the scripture. How timely. Yeah, we're just talking that. about that. Well, we yes. call that Project Philip. You know what yes. I mean? We find out it's not, uh, it's best if you don't try to improve on God's word. Mm. You know, he, he gives you the methodology. Oh, amen. There's a point you know? to that. Amen. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's really, it's simple. I, I think sometimes we overcomplex things. Mm. And, you know, uh, you look at those disciples, they were pretty simple men that Jesus chose. Mm. And he spent time with them. He, he, he spent time in their lives. He and invested. I think that's, he invested. Relationships. Relationship. Yes. Amen. You know, and I guess if you really want to look at it, the most qualified probably was Judas. And he, he left. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he kept the money. So I'm assuming he probably was the one they thought was uh, the best to do that. And, uh, but it was just simple, ordinary people. And God does extraordinary things through simple, ordinary people. Imperfect people, too. Yeah. <laughs> he gets the glory that way, right? That's right. Okay. With technology being what it is now, does the advent of the Internet and all of our technological advances, uh, does that help uh, in any way, or does the government also clamp down on access to uh, uh, the Internet and the ability to uh, to get the word online? We can, it can be used, but that is one of the biggest problems uh, on the Internet. They do have about, last time I had heard, anywhere from thirty to 50,000 Internet police that are they're constantly checking. Wow. And uh, wow. They, they don't have the freedoms that we do. They do check in uh, their email systems and that. And uh, there's been uh, uh, real big problems over there. Mm. Um, it's, it's a great avenue to get the, the Word of God out. But the reality is the most unreached today are the poor and they won't have they don't have the access to the scriptures they they may not even have they may not even have electricity in their homes it's not saying that some will i've been in india and i've been in homes where you little little hut and they've got a a tv antenna (laughs) you know so they may but the reality is the vast majority won't as you get into these rural areas in in um uh, China, you get into some in India, certainly you get into Africa and the impoverished areas. They don't have access sure. to the Internet. Dave, Dave, before we go on, I'm just thinking we probably have a lot of listeners. It's yeah. been a while. Uh, Dave, bring them up to speed for those who have, have not met you yet on our program uh, about the uh, Bible League, we what it does. and yeah, <laughs> That happens from time to time. <laughs> you know, last year was actually our... our uh, uh, actually, two years ago was our 70th anniversary, uh-huh. and we started it in 1938, mm. actually providing Bibles to homes in America. 
And um, it uh, has always been the stipulation, though, we'll give you a Bible as long as you promise you will read it. Because we realize it doesn't do any good unless you read it. And uh, so uh, during the war, uh, Douglas MacArthur, after the war, Douglas MacArthur wrote the Bible League because of one of the staff members that had actually been uh, part of a Bible distribution through his church, because we always work through the local church, um, in Walkerton, Indiana, I think it was, or Michigan. And, and um, that's where we first started our overseas ministry other than Latin America and mm-hmm. Mexico. And so we started in Japan by providing Bibles into Japan, and it, it went to India, and then it, it spread from there. Today, most of what we do is overseas in the areas where people have little access to God's Word, either because of persecution, uh, because of poverty, because of uh, political issues. Um, and when we think in terms of the fact that in today's world it's estimated there could be as many as half a billion people that already claim to be Christians, not that they are, but they already claim to be Christians that don't have access to the Word of God. Because of those reasons, we want to make sure that we're getting the Word of God out and strategically placing it so people read it, they grow, and then uh, then they are becoming disciples who go sh- share that message with, with their countries. Very, very important, isn't it, that yes. they, they have the Word of God. How many people uh, within the Bible League, Dave, would you say? We have about 700 staff across the world, um, but we train um, literally thousands uh, that are volunteers. I was going to say volunteers. Yeah. You must have volunteers. Yeah. Th- this last year, there were almost 300,000 volunteers that were trained. Mm-hmm. Those would be yeah. the church planters. Those would be the Phillips that we train, that, that meet with the Ethiopians, yes, the nonbelievers yes. and share that gospel message. And um, basically, th- those are people in churches that we come alongside those local churches in each of the countries, and they're not Bible League staff, and we come along, we provide what they need, the church needs, to accomplish the Great Commission. So our heart is working with the church. We believe God has ordained the church for that purpose. So that's how we work. We will come into a country, we work with the local church, and we we train the lay people to do evangelism, discipleship, and and church planting. It's been very effective. Last year, 2.9 people went through a Bible study with Bible League. Um, first time ever having the, the, receiving the Word of God. Um, since 1989, when we really started strategically measuring these things from a, a stewardship standpoint, we wanted not to just know how many Bibles we provided, but what was happening with those Bibles. Mm. How were they impacting the kingdom? And so we started measuring the, the number of people that literally went through a Bible study, the number of small groups that were started, uh, the number of people that were being baptized and joining, joining a local church. You see, our mission statement is that we've been called to provide scriptures and training worldwide so that people come into fellowship with Jesus Christ and his church. We know that's absolutely essential because we've also seen those situations where people have been evangelized and then the cults come right along, yeah. and they do the follow-up work mm-hmm. when the church doesn't do it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, Albania, when the walls came down, um, there inevitably ended up being more Jehovah's Witnesses than there were is evangelical that, Christians right? because the church did a good job of, of taking the Crusades in, but then they left, and then the, the, the other groups came in, and they did the follow-up work and spent two years with people. Mm-hmm. So we've got to do a better job of making sure that we make disciples. Do you get caught up in translations? Do we get... Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you, when you distribute the Bible, mm-hmm. or you, do you... 
Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we we are not a translating group, okay. but we've been working with Wycliffe for over 40 years. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't realize that when that missionary actually does the translation, well, that doesn't provide all the Bibles. That gets the translation done. But now, then those Bibles have to be paid for, printed, and gotten back to the missionary in the field. So Bible League works with uh, SIL, Sullivan Institute of okay. Linguistics. Yes. And they will come to us, and they'll say, will you raise the funds to get these Bibles printed, to get them back in, into our missionary so they can work, them, work with the people groups? Quite often, they will also um, we'll have them do a translation, a project, fill up, and, and then we will come alongside and then start training and equipping those small house churches to go out and share that gospel message. So it's been a wonderful relationship. Okay. Uh, we work with the other translation groups, too, and have right. over the years. I was curious about that yeah. uh, as to the translation. We have done some things in terms of updating some languages. For example, in Bulgaria, mm-hmm. uh, we were responsible for helping to get a reprint of the Bulgarian Bible. Um, we have a lot of translations, but for the most part, other languages have one translation that was done years and years and years ago. And language is dynamic. It yeah. does change. Mm-hmm. It's not static. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, just like we have words today that have totally changed their meaning or we don't even use today, uh, around the globe they do the same thing. So in Bulgaria, the, the language had so changed that there was an, uh, an enormous need to update the, the wording to make it more in tune so young people could read and understand without looking at words they had no idea what they meant. So we've done things like that. Now, Dave, what, what brought you into connection with the Bible? Mm. How, tell us about that mm. yes, story. Yes. Well, you know, I, I spent uh, 22 years in the baking industry with Rainbow Bread. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness, Dave the Rainbow Man. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually I'd come back. We were born and raised in this area and, and moved with a company that I was with and moved to Utah. We came back feeling God was calling us to full-time service, Christian service. I thought I might be pastoring, but God closed those doors for 22 years. Mm. But fortunately, he kept me in the bread business. We just went from selling what we call the staff of life at Rainbow to, to, to providing the bread <laughs> the of life. The bread of sure. life. Yeah. Amen. And, and so actually, I had a good friend, John Dupree, um, oh, who I, I knew John before he was with uh, ACMC, ACMC and then now the Harvest Group. And uh, we were elders together. And uh, I had prayed for John at the time, and, and he uh, left his position in the business world to go with ACMC, and then he knew my heart, and later on he introduced me to Bible League. Uh-huh. And uh, at first, I, when he introduced me, I thought, this has something to do with fundraising. I don't want that. That's not me. No, Lord. I don't want any part of it. I, I'm about yeah. pastoring. That's what I had planned to do for you, you know. Uh-huh. But I, I learned that it's not what... He, you know, what I want to do for God, he doesn't need me, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's being pliable in, in the, yeah. the potter's hands, yeah. realizing it's what he wants to do through me, yes. through his power. Yes. And it just took me 22 years to wear off all those edges and for him to prepare me. And yeah. so a little over 11 years ago, uh, John introduced me to Bible League, and I thought, Lord, why was I so dumb for 22 years? Mm. I wish I'd known about Bible League 22 years earlier. Well, God uses all that time, though, doesn't he, he to does. hone us and prepare us. And at just the right time, he pops us into that slot. And it, it, it's great to be right in that sweet spot where, yeah. where God has you, and he's, he's using all of your gifts yeah. and your talents and, and your history Absolutely. in a very powerful way. And, and you are pastoring. Yes, uh, you are. Okay. <laughs> ministering to a lot of people in some very great ways. And we were talking just before we went on air about some pretty incredible times that we're in right now. Um, economy and uh, 
a lot of disasters going on right now. We were talking about Haiti and all of the different things, that the different needs that are there right now, and we're going to be talking a lot about that in just a little bit. But can you uh, maybe just share a little bit about the need that the Bible League has, and we'll, on the other side of the break, we'll talk a little bit about Haiti. Absolutely. Um, we have been ministering in Haiti since 2001 when we started. Uh, to give you an idea of how effective uh, God has used the ministry, um, because it's it's his word. It's it's powerful. Isaiah tells tells us that it doesn't return a void, mm-hmm. but it does accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. But last year alone, there were 161 churches planted in mm-hmm. Haiti through mm-hmm. this ministry. Mm-hmm. 173,000 people that went through a discipleship study and about 13,000 people that were baptized and joined a local church because his word is powerful. Yes. Um, you know, they've gone through so much. You know, it was 2008 when they went through four devastating hurricanes, and now we have we have the earthquake and we were hit pretty hard um, we know at least uh, it's been estimated at least a hundred of the church planters we trained have lost either a spouse or a child mm. wow. um, our um, our national director lost six extended family members uh, his national ministry coordinator lost his wife his three-month-old daughter uh, lost his mother and his father-in-law and his eight year old son was was uh, trapped in the rubble and has severe damage to his hand and he dug his son out of the rubble Mm. and yet they will continue to do ministry right now the greatest need is humanitarian need Um, that doesn't mean we don't want to provide bibles we do there there will be an immense scriptural issue here uh, a spiritual issue Uh, because haiti is a country that is rampant with voodoo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been estimated that more than 50% of the population practice voodoo. At one point, I think the president mm-hmm. declared that that voodoo was the national language. I may be wrong, or national religion, I'm sorry. I may be wrong on that, but I think I pretty much read that. And yet, you know, there is obviously, these are people seeking spiritual things. And we need to get them the truth. And as they come to faith in Christ, we're seeing the tremendous results that I just shared with you. But God will, even through this accident or whatever you want to call it, this devastation, God will open up hearts through it. I'm not saying God is the cause of it. I'm just simply saying that God will touch hearts and even take a negative thing that, that Satan means for evil, and he'll bring good about uh, through it in the process. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we have considered and call them our signature group here. I'm talking Casting Crowns, and they have a song out now that really ties it all together for us. It's called Until the Whole World Until the Whole World Hears. I don't know if you've heard this song or not, Dave, but it's great. And we have it here for you on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back with more right after this.
It's Casting Crowns until the whole world hears here on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and David Unruh of the Bible League. I love that song, mm-hmm. Until the Whole World Hears. And that's that's what you do. I mean, that's what we, that's what the church, the body of Christ is out there doing. And, you know, let us be his hands and feet as we, uh, as we go about doing his work. You know, uh, we hear of the aftershocks that are happening in Haiti, Dave, and, uh, uh, one hit yesterday, again, pretty pretty good in Port-au-Prince. And uh, the people are living there, um, looking for places, struggling for places uh, to sleep, living in just conditions that are just uh, uh, frightful. You know, we see that it's hard to get the supplies in there, and we're just praying for them. I know we're all praying for them and people going over in droves to help recover, and that recovery time is going to be a long time coming, as we know. Uh any updates for us and the team over there? Well, I, I know that um, uh, our, our director, uh, Jean Bilda, has been working closely with the uh, Dominican Republican, uh, Republic churches. Uh, Pierre Philippe is our director in Dominican. He's actually Haitian. And uh, right from the get-go, they, uh, the churches were getting involved from Dominican and providing mm-hmm. support. Mm-hmm. And um, Bilda has been uh, designated one of those officials to kind of coordinate uh, relief. And so there is relief coming from the Dominican and in. And we know that millions, actually literally billions, have been given uh, by the United States and other countries. Yeah. And uh, the, the heart-sick thing is that, there's, there's really no knowing how much of that is going to get to the people who need it because, yeah. I mean, over the last several years, you know, the United States has poured billions into Haiti, and yet you look at it today, and and the it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Where is that money going? You know, we've got to do a better job when we, we supply money to make sure that it gets to uh, those who need it most. And, um, you know, I think the church... Is, is where we need, as Christians anyway, need to focus on working with the church as best possible. You have a lot of government organizations, and some are good, some are not. And, uh, you know, we're called to be good stewards. And we can pour a lot of money into something that never, never has any effect. So we just have to watch it. Look for good groups that have accountability groups, ECFA. And it's very important, isn't yeah, it? Very they important. Even, you know, very important. Some... Because, you know, there are groups out there that they, they may have good intentions, mm-hmm. um, but... They just may not be very effective, very efficient at getting things done. There are a lot of cons out there, too. I was just going to say. You know, I mean, yes. you can go to India today, and, boy, you can you can just pour all sorts of money in, into country because you have this guy who, who will show you a picture with a, a group and say, this is a church that's been planted. And what he's done, he's paid a few uh, rupia to uh, some Hindus and got them to sit there and taking their picture, and off they go, and, and just thousands of dollars get poured, in, poured into India that way because they realize that Americans have a heart and want to help. And uh, But we, we need to do better. We need to make sure that we're getting those resources in the right places. So um, good groups that are out there, and uh, just do a little due diligence in terms of mm-hmm. searching them to make sure that, that they are accomplishing their mission and getting the resources to the people. Yeah, that's always a challenge internationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was reading the the B the other day, the local newspaper here, and and someone was uh, chastising everybody in the world for uh, you know not being there right away and and dropping in supplies. And I, I don't think people uh, realize that that doesn't help. 
you know, it w- w- when you create confusion where confusion is already, you get double the confusion. And, you know, you have international agreements, you have politics involved, and it's, it's, it's a mess, really, on an international basis. So, you know, g- good, wise words from you, uh, Dave, to really triage and, and identify and do your homework before you send money and make sure that the organizations that you're supporting are actually on the ground and and uh, benning, benefiting people uh, directly. You know, one of the other things that, that we tend to see, uh, David, is um, remember the uh, uh, the uh, major uh, floods, the tsunamis uh, that occurred, and, uh, you know, the tremendous damage that was done in, in parts of the world a few years ago. And, and yet it provided a wonderful opportunity because people who uh, were very confused by the parameters of their own religions, how could this happen, were finding that uh, they had no hope, and and that was a time when the gospel really shined so brightly. You know, as as you mentioned before, you're not going to say God caused this, but, you know, the fallen world is what it is and things happen. We have a wonderful opportunity, again, I think, in, in Haiti's uh, example, uh, to spread the gospel mm-hmm. through uh, through appropriate channels. And I, I would imagine that a lot of those folks uh, steeped in voodoo could use a little real hope, can't they? Well, absolutely. And, and their voodoo is doing them absolutely no good as of this point. Okay. I mean, they've gone to witch doctors to, to get cures for everything. It, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, we see this globally um, where you have the different religions and they cry out to these um, handmade gods and uh, thinking uh, that they are going to cure them, they're going to bring them prosperity, but it's only the gospel that mm-hmm. uh, that really touches a heart and gives hope and gives peace and, and gives true life. And um, we will have a great opportunity as we had already seen. Uh, there is an openness to the gospel. There is a real seeking for spiritual things. And so as the air clears, in a sense, and, and we're able to make sure there's less lives lost and we can take care of those physical needs, there is going to be a great need to then provide the word of God and to make sure that it's getting into the, into the right places and, and people are being discipled. And um, that's one of the challenges. Sometimes we, we give so much to just the humanitarian that we forget that that is a symptom. All of these challenges are a symptom of a root cause, and that's a hard issue. Uh, Jesus said you'll always have the poor with you, and that's true. And, but we can go in and we can make a difference when we attack that heart, heart issue. And you have these leaders that then they change, they come to faith, and then now they're not taking everything for themselves. The whole issue of Christianity, it gets us from looking inward and we start looking outward. And, you know, what are those two, two, uh, two laws that are so important? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then love your neighbor and Absolutely. Yourself. You're going yeah. in to a place that's been devastated, just absolutely devastated. These people are desperate, but you're going in with a heart of love yeah. Yeah. to serve them, to help them, and to share with them good news, hope, yeah. the gospel, and, and let the Lord take it from there. That has impact. And as the, the Christian church reaches out, we see it, saw it in Indonesia with the tsunami in India, the, the after effects there. It was the Christian church that came in and, and yes. really uh, aided the church in country. You know, Indian believers that were reaching out and, and loving people and they stayed and they helped. And, and you know, that opened up the hearts uh, in Indonesia, uh, areas where it was closed. 
Yeah. Um, we're seeing people come to faith in Christ, and they may not have have done that um, in, in an earlier time before all this took place. But we're seeing great strides. The church in Indonesia continues to grow tremendously, even though it's the largest Muslim country in the world. You know, it was interesting at the time. I don't remember, Dave, if it was an interview with, with you or or uh, someone else who had been to Indonesia at the time. It was shortly after the uh, tsunamis had, had occurred, and they uh, were making the point that they went into a lot of villages and as they were talking to people and they were looking at the icons, you know, in, in the homes, that Jesus would be one of them, you know, yeah. that they, the, you know, they weren't opposed to, but he was just one of, of yeah. the, you know, the, the hundreds of gods that they would have, yeah. uh, in their arsenal, <laughs> I guess. And, and a great opportunity there then to point out, you know, the, uh, the uniqueness, the, the truth, the true God there. In in the uh, the context of of Haiti, do we have that kind of similar thing going on, or are uh, b- because they are steeped in some type of spirituality, are they a little more predisposed to uh, to the truth rather than having, for example, a, a more of an atheistic uh, uh, attitude? Well, I I would say yes, they are, and uh, again, it, I think that I can bore that. That can be borne out by the, the fruit that we're seeing mm-hmm. in, in just 11 years. This was just one year, this last year, in terms of 161 churches that were planted wow. there mm-hmm. with 173,000 people. And, and it because you're making disciples, that continues to grow, and the word continues to go out. And uh, it changes people's lives. Yeah. You know, I, I can remember one story there of uh, a young guy who he had been steeped in voodoo, and he had been told, if you read the Bible... You will go insane. You'll go crazy. And so he was afraid to read the Bible. But then somebody came along and, and, and they shared with him and he started reading the Bible. He says, you know, I didn't, I didn't become crazy. <laughs> he came to faith in Christ. Oh, yeah. wow. And now yeah. he's reaching out to others. You know, when you, when you make a disciple and you really ground them in the word and you teach them this is the lifestyle, they go out and they'll make two or three disciples who make two or three disciples, and it's an exponential type of growth. And you know, we saw that in that, that book of Acts, that, that first century church. It just mm-hmm. grew dom- <laughs> dramatically. Mm. We need to do that. And we yeah. need to do that in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've got to get back to true disciples. You know, our, yeah. our own backyard is you not think? in such good shape either, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Spiritually, anyway. The mission field is wherever there's people that don't know the Lord. Amen. You know, it's not just overseas. It's right here. It's that... that Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the Hindu person next to you. Mm. Maybe yes, it's the Muslim yes. person next to you. you we don't, we shouldn't have fear. Scripture tells us we haven't been given a spirit of fear That's or right. timidity, That's but one right. of power and strength in Jesus Christ. Right. The, and yes. so we need to reach out in love yes. and and r- truly share this this gospel message of hope Amen, to David. people. Yes, and there's a lot to be said about right here in our own backyards and and, and loving people and, yeah. and 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 serving people right here too. But but you do that not by going and just sharing the gospel message. You do that in love, and you reach yeah. out and, Developing and develop a relationship, yeah, just like you do right here by by touching people's lives. Well, we we were reading in in uh, the message um, two two weeks ago, I think it was, and I can't remember uh, um, his uh, Eugene Peterson's exact. Phrase, but he was talking about you know the major persecution happening in Acts, you know following the the stoning of of Stephen and and the major 
um, uh, bloodshed that uh, that occurred and, and how the, the believers were, were dispersed. And I think the way that he turned the phrase was these people, meaning those that left Jerusalem and then went out to the they became instant missionaries, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> whether they had intended to or not. Yeah. You know, and that's what it's all about. And, and I, I so much appreciate, too, the, uh, the attitude of, of using the indigenous people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. equipping them to touch their own spheres of influence. And then God does a, a, a mighty work from that point. But they, they do have to have something else than just the words in their hand. They, they have to have some instruction about what it means. Yeah. And uh, what what their lifestyle as a believer, and you know, I, I think probably there's a <laughs> there's a lot of believers around the world in third world countries who understand the Christian lifestyle a lot better than many of our American brothers and sisters. You know, really in in terms of of living out those two commandments that you talked about a minute ago, loving God with your whole being and, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as I travel, and I, I think I've shared this before, but I often hear from believers overseas, we're praying for the church in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. here they're being persecuted, mm-hmm. and they're praying for oh, us. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yes. Because they love us. They certainly appreciate all that the church does, but they said, we want the church to be strong in America. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they realize there, there are challenges here. Not every church, obviously, uh, but but they they do care, and uh, they realize what is happening in their world in terms of the persecution and people that are so grounded in the Word of God that they go out daily, um, knowing they might be persecuted, but they're willing to go to share this mm. gospel message. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, Mike, I, mm. I quite often as I as I'm overseas, I am so humbled because I don't know that I can do what they do. Mm. Wow. You know, I've been in places where I've heard stories. I've got pictures here from Nepal. Our director from Nepal is here right now because had he stayed, he and his wife and a little boy would have been put to death. Um, but they have family members that continue the ministry. And I just got pictures in, in May where 58 people among the Tharu Hindu class um, where the gospel had never been preached. There are 58 people in one day baptized in two little wow. villages. Right. A year prior to that, the gospel had never been preached there. There are 15 churches there. Wow. And, and uh, in, this, in our director's wife's village, there is a church, but one of the church planters was beheaded mm. by the Maoist government mm. at the time. And yet they continue to share the gospel message, realizing that if they die, they know where they're going. Yeah. Far better place than we have right here. Yes, yes. You know, the the closest we think about oh. Nepal here in America is a bumper sticker. You know, free Tibet, free Nepal. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of you know. Th- th- that's about all we see. What's the real story? What's happening in mm-hmm. uh, in Nepal and and that you can tell us? Uh, <laughs> and I understand that you know there may be some things that you can't reveal to us. But uh, well, you know, it was a Hindu kingdom. Uh, and then uh, here a few years ago, they had uh, the Maoists that came in, the rebels came in. They eventually took over the government. The king was ousted. Um, they have the largest party. They, uh, apparently, the, the one in charge stepped down. Uh, and the last, I understand, through our director who stays in contact with family members there, that, that um, the, the Maoists are doing everything they can to maintain control. In some uh, areas, that's opened up an opportunity because they're so intent on trying to maintain control that they've, they've taken some of the heat off of the believers. Huh. Uh, 
Um, but um, there in Kathmandu, there's tremendous problems, but they do. They, they cause all sorts of problems. If they find you're a believer, they, they can persecute you. They can kill you. Uh, we know that there were three pastors that were, were killed there, mm. um, you know, for sharing the gospel. But as of this point, um, you know, that's a major issue. Will they gain control back? Well, they're not, they're not above um, persecuting people and anybody that, who opposes them uh, in order to get that control. So, but we do know that even in those conditions, the gospel is going out. And mm-hmm. people will continue to share. And like I said, 58 baptized. I just got another email in September mm-hmm. with another 20 baptized wow. uh, mm-hmm. in that same area. I've got some wonderful pictures here. That has to be encouraging yeah. to us. You know, the law still states that yeah. if, you know, if you convert from Hinduism, you could be put in jail for three years. Wow. It hasn't been enforced here lately because of the other issues. But uh, if you if you baptize somebody, you could be put in jail for six years. So the closer you get to Kathmandu, you have to be very careful. If you get caught doing that, they will enforce those laws. Mm. David, how would you encourage us to, to pray for this area of the world and for the people there who are risking, literally risking their lives to be there to, to do well, this work? Yeah, I, I would say, first of all, I obviously pray for their protection. Pray for God just to go before them and uh, just uh, seal them uh, mm, as they good. go out. They never ask for prayer uh, that the persecution stop. I, I don't think I've ever heard that from a believer in any of the countries I've, I've been in. It's always just pray for us that we're effective, that we stay true to what God has called us to. They do pray for the word of God. They realize the importance of of grounding people in the word and fighting off the cults that are there. Or as you said earlier, you know, this idea that, okay, yeah, I'll accept Jesus and I add him to one of my multiple gods, which is true of the Tharu people. You know, they are Hindu and they worship the little clay horse where you see. Where you see breakthrough is when they, they bring all those little idols and they put them in the middle of the village and they light them on fire wow. and say, yes, I understand. Mm. Jesus is the only way. Wow. And I've got a picture of a 70, 76-year-old lady that is being baptized in the wow. Tharo, among the Tharo people. Average lifespan, only 55. And God kept her to the point to where she is now a believer in Christ, Amen. and she burned those little idols mm. and, and worships the King of Ooh, Kings just today. Chills. Now, have you ever been into this area? I've not been into Nepal. I, I've been, um, you know, throughout much of Southeast Asia and, and Europe. Yes. Um, some areas I haven't been to, and, and for right now, I won't be doing an awful lot of travel because we have the staff in place and country, mm-hmm. and uh, because of the economic issues, we've had cutbacks right, too. Right, yeah. So I'm not going to travel uh, to take money away from providing God's Word to sure, somebody. Sure, sure. So. How can we uh, pray and support the Bible League? Let's talk a little bit about that. How are you guys? Well, pray, pray for us because we did have to temporarily suspend some ministries. Um, you know, we, like everybody else, took uh, pay cuts and stuff. Mm. Uh, uh, we, we believe we're good stewards and, and we're pretty good with a dollar. You know, I have a good friend that says, I like the Bible League because I get more bang for my buck. That's what he tells me. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, we, we saw, again, last year 2.9 million people that, that were, mm-hmm. uh, had gone through that Bible study and half a million people that were baptized and joined the local church. So pray for us that we continue true to that mission, that God does provide the resources uh, he owns it all. That's right. That we can provide Bibles to these people that have completed these Bible studies so they can have the Word of God. You know, it's so important. Um, 
And uh, there may be people in your audience that say, you know, I, I want to hear more about Bible League. They can go to our website. I was going to say, how can they contact you? www.bibleleague.org. And there will be pictures, updated pictures. They can see pictures in Haiti. A lot of great resources, uh, great stories of the power of God's word to change a life. I mean, story after story. So it's encouraging. You know, I think we need that encouragement as believers. We, we? we hear all the negative, but we've got yeah. a God that's just doing amazing things around the globe. And we need to remember that and encourage one another, don't we? Absolutely. Yes, we do. Once so. again, that website is www.bibleleague.org, bibleleague.org. And, uh, you know, Dave, there's especially the, the New Testament has many, many places, mm-hmm. annoyingly enough, that tells us to persevere. <laughs> you know, there are times when you just want to go, huh. you know, but God is faithful and, and he's called us uh, to mission. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's, he's called us to walk point with him on, mm-hmm. on certain things. And I think in, especially in today's economy here in the United States, it is so important for uh, ministries to, to stay on point, to stay focused. And, you know, I mean, we get hit by, you know, financial stuff all the time, and it gets discouraging, and I roll my eyes a lot and, you know, get on my, wearing out my knees here, you know, and all that. But it is so important for us to keep persevering through this because especially in the lean times, God's power is going to be revealed in incredible ways, and, and we'll look back and we'll say, Wow, you know, I was I was moaning about how we we're going to meet our bills, and you know, God was doing something really cool during that time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, r- really important, and, and and we encourage you and, and thank you on behalf of the Bible League for that perseverance. And uh, we'll see what happens in in Haiti and all points around the world. Well, thanks, Mike, Elaine, and Al, and oh. uh, we just appreciate what you're doing here in this community. And uh, you know, God will uh, will continue to do things throughout communities around the globe. Amen. David, how can we personally pray for you very quickly? Energy. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know, when, when things get tough in terms of economically, it mm. seems like there's so much more to do. And uh, I love, I love what I do. You Obviously. can't, you know, so, yes. so just pray that, that, uh, that I have that energy to continue to encourage people we will to be good that. stewards and, and uh, provide the Word of God. Thank Amen. you, precious brother. And thank you, dear friends, for listening. May God continue to bless your lives. Thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll see you.